Welcome to the Meeting the Moment podcast, a show featuring stories by Stanford students about how they're meeting big moments in their lives. All of the students featured are fellows in the Office of Religious and Spiritual Life at Stanford. I'm Adesua Agbonila. Stories have the power to teach us and heal us, guide us, and even inspire us to change. Stories engage the big, unanswered questions we all face. That's what you're going to hear on this podcast. Stories of people making meaning of big questions. Each episode of the show corresponds with a monthly theme, and each story recounts meaning made of a challenging moment. It's June 2021. Our theme is Joy as Resistance. And D. Sol Carson has a story about that. It's called Dominoes and Lemonade and Sunshine and Joy. When I was in second grade, my home was not a happy one. My mother and stepfather spent a lot of nights screaming at each other, my room next to theirs, and I had a front row seat. To make matters worse, money was getting tight, and it was getting harder for mom to support us. There was one thing I looked forward to every week. Each Thursday afternoon, right after we got home from school, my father picked up me and my twin sister and took us to Red Lobster. If you know nothing else about me, Know this, to this day, I love Red Lobster's Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Considering what I was dealing with at home, Cheddar Bay Biscuits were a small solace, but they were my first step in thinking of joy as resistance, a way to buffer whatever weight the world tried putting on me. If you've never had a Red Lobster Cheddar Bay Biscuit before, let me tell you what you're missing. Me, my sister, and my father sit in the booth talking about all the things that are so important to second graders. The Teddy Grands we had for snack that day, getting to be line leader, who my sister pushed on the playground and why. Then we smell them coming. The garlic and butter wafting towards us. The server sets the biscuits on the table. She's barely had a chance to say enjoy before I'm grabbing one, breaking it in half to hear the satisfying crackle of his golden exterior, infused with a healthy amount of cheese and parsley. These biscuits don't fix the problems we're having at home. They can't. But looking back, I think of what those small outings did for my mental health how this small ritual made joy an active part of my life. As a poet, I think often about how creatives use joy creation as a way to resist. For people so privileged they never worry about the world's constant attempts to oppress them, joy may simply be a matter of what brings them pleasure. But for me, as a Black person, a child of divorce and non-marriage, and low income, joy is a matter of pushing against what's trying to weigh me down. It's hard for me to pick just one moment of joy as resistance. I prefer to think of joy creation as active, 
ongoing, something done repeatedly with intention, a ritual. Joy, like resistance, is something that happens over time, and joy, like resistance, is often necessary for our daily survival. To make sense of my thoughts on joy, I often look back at poems I love. And when I think of joy as ritual, one poem in particular comes to mind. The Electric Slide is Not a Dance Man by Portia Aleawola, the current Poet Laureate of Boston. Our bodies arrange a constellation in memory of the boy who was slain with no indictment. For the guillotine girl who went forgotten. For the housing stacked like the gut of the ship, the dogs, and the waters. The blast-off happens in sync, and our spirits rupture ceilings. We ritual. Sacred. Secret. Originators of a beat cascading. The electric slide is how we leave here. How we ascend. This kinship is how we get to a place named joy and go home. That's blood. History, man. Ain't no teaching that. At the end of my second grade year, my mother and stepfather finalized their divorce, leaving my mom, sisters, and me homeless. So, we packed up everything, two garbage bags of clothes and a bag of toys, and drove north from San Diego to live with my aunt in the Bay Area. That was when I got my second opportunity to use joy to push back. During that year of instability, I can't count how many times we found ourselves sleeping somewhere new. My aunt's apartment, the apartment of the woman above us, parks, our car, or in the home of whichever man my mother was dating at the time. I don't think I stayed at any school longer than two months. Even still, I was always looking for ways to make the best of my situation. I learned to connect with classmates quickly because I didn't know how long I'd have with them. I was always cracking jokes and making sure the people around me were smiling. Living with my cousins, we spent many nights together loading up the on-demand karaoke, screaming and laughing as we sang off-key to Michael Jackson's Rock With You, a family favorite. My cousin was always the one to suggest it, the song already in the queue. That little living room would be so full of heat and life that you'd think we were about to erupt. We would take turns, the boys singing the first verse, the girls the second, all of us belting the chorus. My mother and aunt would stop arguing temporarily to laugh and joke, and my baby cousins would sway in the background, unable to sing the words, but hyping us up anyway, worming their little bodies to the beat. Never underestimate the healing power of a good time. Shout out to My Niggas in Mexico by Denez Smith reminds me of that. 
We got a jam going. Bring your folks. Bring whatever your mama considers gospel. Not the text, but the feeling. Tell me what song is likely on when our mother finds herself on the floor, weeping, beckoning down whoever lurks behind the sky. Years later, after moving to a more stable living environment with my father and stepmother, I started attending an annual 4th of July barbecue hosted by some members of our church family. If there's anything to know about black people, it's that we don't give a rat's ass about no Independence Day, but we will take advantage of every opportunity to have a cookout. It's hard for me to describe exactly what's so powerful about the black cookout, but the way I see it as a black person, I spend so much time looking over my shoulder, wondering who's minding my business instead of the business that pays them, that the cookout feels good because when I'm there, I don't worry about that. We can just eat and laugh and joke and be. The little black kids run around and yell and play and be happy. The old heads show off their line dances. The two steps they memorize as teens. There is no sadness here. No death. Just joy and dominoes and lemonade. Sunshine. The cookout is how, as a people, we get along. It reminds us that we, despite everything, are still here living our black-ass lives. And that's beautiful. Lucille Clifton has a famous piece, Won't You Celebrate With Me, all about the resilience of black people. Won't you celebrate with me what I have shaped into a kind of life? I had no model. Born in Babylon, both non-white and woman, what did I see except to be myself? I made it up here on this bridge between starshine and clay, my one hand holding tight my other hand. Come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. I did a workshop not too long ago that began with this prompt. Write a poem in which you use a word as a verb, a noun, and an adjective. I chose the word protest. When we think of protests and resistance, what maybe comes to mind are images of people marching through the streets, chanting with signs and megaphones, and the threat of law enforcement. But I chose protests because I want to acknowledge that protesting is not something you do or something you attend. For Black people, for me, just being alive is an act of protest. Choosing joy is an act of protest. Doing everything you love in the face 
of a world that would see you fail and think nothing of it is an act of resistance in and of itself. I fall asleep with protests humming in the back of my throat. My waking is a protest I march every morning. I protest against breakfast and wind up with a Nature Valley bar, but only the dark chocolate, peanut, and almond one, which tastes least like breakfast and most like a protest. You can find me protesting at least three times a day. I protest step outside and protest drive to the post office to protest pick up my mail. My professor wants to show us another shooting and I am protesting bodies that look like mine being made a spectacle. I protest manifest a cookout or crab boil, something black and breathing, I'm not picky what. I protest the absence of catfish. Mary J hops on the mic and we dance protests against hateration and holleration in the dancery. We don't know exactly what it means, but we feel it. The protest shimming through our bones. We celebrate a protest, laugh with all our protest teeth, love ourselves into a protest and protest praise everything still trying to kill us and failing. This episode of the Meeting the Moment podcast was produced by Alessandra Wallner. Our music is by Lee Rosevear. The Meeting the Moment program and this podcast are hosted by the Office for Religious and Spiritual Life, or ORSL, in collaboration with the Stanford Storytelling Project and the LifeWorks Program for Integrative Learning. Meeting the Moment, which grows out of ORSL's Rathbun program, includes a student fellowship, a one-unit, community-focused, repeatable course, monthly public programs, and a growing list of curated resources for the Stanford community. Special thanks to Dean Tiffany Steinwert, Jonah Willinghans, Emma Master, and the LifeWorks Program for Integrative Learning. To learn more, Google Stanford Meeting the Moment.